0: All right, I don't want to set the bar too high, but that's what I'm going to do, guys. This is going to be the best episode of On the Bench Yet. Uh, we are going to welcome upwards of a dozen FSU guests or FSU experts as guests to come on and, and talk about the Seminoles 2019 season uh, in, a, in a season preview format. It's going to be informative. It's going to be funny. You're going to laugh. You may cry. There's going to be emotions, but first, uh, we have to get... As a staff, our own uh, our own predictions out there, get our own thoughts and our own emotions about this season coming up out there. So, Josh Newberg, Chris Knee, welcome guys. This is on the bench. How's it going?
1: Ready for this Great. season, man.
0: <laughs> We're recording this uh, at 10 p.m. And, and largely because our hands been forced by the uh, the impending hurricane and how it may uh, end up effing up FSU's uh, season opener Don't against Boise State. It. I mean, it's it's out there. Me saying or not, it's not going to ch- change a possible <laughs> category. Well, I heard some say maybe a category five. There's a potential if it goes into the Gulf. And uh, I'm not the weatherman, but I do want to talk about the implication of that to this season and uh, this game. Chris, you've been on that as much as anyone uh, has. Where are we right now? As as we're recording this on Wednesday evening at what, at 10:30 o'clock. Yeah, 10:30 at night. Jesus, I'm a morning person.
2: As of 8 p.m., the winds were 80 miles uh, per hour, which makes it a Category 1 hurricane. It's expected to strengthen as it works towards the east coast of the United States. Uh, They're not really sure where the hell it's going to go. The whole cone of uncertainty takes up the entire state of Florida as far as the east coast of it. So anybody's guess is as good as anybody else's, I guess, with regards to that. The concern, I think, from a game standpoint, Is that it wiggles a bit north and heads more towards Duval County and the state line. Right now, landfall projection, if you drew a line down the middle of that cone of uncertainty, it's kind of central Florida ish. So it's a matter of just kind of figuring out where it's going. I think the reason the game's so up in the air as of right now, as we're talking right now, is just the fact that, you know, a state of emergency was declared at 5 p.m. today by the governor. And it's kind of tough to play a football game when you're trying to move a lot of people from one place to another place from somewhere within the state with the possibility of the place where the game's being played being the place they need to get out of or go to. So I think that's the main reason you're seeing some hand-wringing over whether or not the game should be played, if it should be moved up, if it should be moved away from Jacksonville potentially Tallahassee. From what we understand, 10 a.m. tomorrow is kind of the drop-dead time for making a decision. That's due in part to fact Boise supposed to hop on a plane tomorrow afternoon and make their way to the state of Florida.
0: Um, and we know that Boise State really wants to play this game. Florida State wants to play this game. Uh, so it becomes a matter of, I think, you know, politicians and uh, people more concerned about things beyond just football, obviously. Uh, and, and again, like Chris said, people are evacuating. There's uh, a matter of resources and, and how – you know, police officers or state state funds are being used in, in the state of uh, emergency. So that's all stuff to monitor. And I was going to ask if we thought the game was going to be played or not. But I, maybe as I think about it, we're probably not qualified enough right, right now to to go ahead and give a prediction I, on it.
2: I think it's safe to say both schools would very much like to do it for financial reasons for the contract over the two years or somewhat of an out if the game was to get canceled. So if it's up to solely to schools, the answer is yes. But in this situation, it's not solely up to the schools.
0: Right. So, all right, let's uh, let's pivot to season preview stuff and, and assume that the game is going to happen and that there there is going to be a season uh, that starts this week for Florida State that it won't carry over uh, into September. So I want to get both of your thoughts on a few big, broad topics and get win loss record uh, predictions. And then we're going to go to break and br- bring in our, uh, our parade of experts. So uh, first, folks, I'll uh, let's see. Josh, I'll start with you. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah. Get ready. Get your get your thinking cap on because I'm, I'm coming with, with some heat. You ready for this? What yeah. is going to be – well, we, we've heard throughout camp uh, there's been ups and downs on both sides of the ball, uh, that the offense had been a little bit more efficient and consistent for a good chunk of camp, which was kind of surprising. Defense came on late in camp. Uh, given some people expectations that the offense was moving in the right direction to the point where I think some thought the offense was going to be better than the defense. Josh, what do you think? What's going to be the unit that, that carries FSU this year, offense or defense? Mm.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think early on, I think it's going to be about even, I think both, both are going to have their moments and both are going to have their, uh, their ups and downs um, obviously coming in, Kendall Bryle is going to want to do his thing, but we saw a whole lot of dysfunction on offense last year. So I think eventually Kendall Bryles and Randy Clements and everybody gets on the same page and Florida state has the weapons. Um, they're going to get better up front. I think the offense in the, when we look back on the entirety of the season, I, I do think it's going to be a big turnaround. And I think the offense is going to be what kind of, I don't want to say carries, but uh, you know, the, the offense is going to go out and win the games for, for this team this year.
2: Christopher, Yeah, for me, the answer is offense as well. It's kind of an easy answer too. Kendall Browse is a better coach than Walt Bell. Randy Clement is a better coach than Greg Fry. I think those are both upgrades. I think the offensive line is a better unit across the board than it was a season ago. Ryan Roberts brings some stability there. Uh, Baby on Johnson, I think it's actually an improvement at center, especially if the snapping holds up, which I now believe it will. I think at receiver you got your go to with a guy like Tamar and Terry. You got guys like Keyshawn Helen, DJ Matthews, who are big playmakers. And you got enough guys there with experience now that I think you have a nice mix of guys. You don't have to lean on a Keith Gavin if he's struggling. You can go to the next guy. You can move on from him quicker. And that's not a shot at Keith. That's just saying, you know, last year I don't think they had that luxury. I think they now do. I think the running back group will perform much better, especially if LeBron stays healthy, which I expect. And I think James Blackman at quarterback from a leadership standpoint, from a team standpoint, is a massive upgrade over what they had last year. I don't know that he's more talented than the guy that played quarterback last year, but I know he's better for FSU football than the guy that played Mm -hmm. last year. So I think the offense is going to take a big step
0: forward. I I agree with everything you said, Chris, position by position, uh, but I don't think the offense is going to be better than the defense. And I think you guys are both off your rockers if you think that the offense is is going to be the the unit that carries the team ultimately. The offense was 110th nationally last year, um, and to think, and the defense, and that's in yards per yards per play. The defense was 37th. So let's say the defense drops back a tier or two. They're still going to be middling uh, nationally in, in what they do. The offense jumps up a couple of tiers. They may get to average then. So that that's assuming like normal like regression to the means or progress to the means for both sides. Like I, I I think that the worries that we've had in camp about the defense have been a little bit overblown. Uh, there's obviously concerns about the pass rush, uh, but you still have a really good defensive front with Marvin Wilson, Corey Dirt, and Robert Cooper. Uh, the secondary has a lot of talent in it. Now, can you get enough enough pressure from the pass rush to to make sure those guys aren't covering all day? Uh, I, I just think there's still even even with some. Weaknesses on defense that seem, or at least some unknowns, uh, it's just not as glaring as the offense. And that, I guess that's the next question that I wanted to bring up to you guys. And I guess maybe your answers answer this question for me. But that is, are we putting a little bit too much, too much of an emphasis? And I may be guilty of this from from articles I've written and, and whatnot. But uh, too much of an emphasis of a, of a savior kind of complex on Kendall Bryles and and Randy Clements. That these guys just by being competent and having synergy. On Chris, I'll start with you. Uh, since you've written about it, but but do you think we're maybe putting too much stake into what those two guys can do in just one year? Like how much of a, of a jump they can, they can make with this offense. I'm
2: sure some are, I don't think I have, I think I have a realistic view of what they're capable of. I I think the most important thing when looking at all as a whole, the offense is that it's not going to be a cluster this year. You've got one guy calling the plays, lined up with the quarterbacks, getting it in, who understands everything he's demanding and kind of has a clear path to it. And last year they had none of that. And I think that's why it's such a drastic improvement and why I expect there to be a healthy jump for the offense, which will go from dreadful to average.
1: I, I mean, I think this is more of, of what you make it. I, I think there's a lot of people that are concerned with the pass rush, um, there's a lot of question marks. And do I think it's overblown on, on our end? Is it, if if that's what you're asking? No. Um, I think people want to discuss the different ways that FSU is going to have to get after the passer rather than just depending on a guy like a Brian Burns. Um, we don't know if we have a Brian Burns on the roster. I think there's just, I think there's a lot of intrigue in, in where FSU is going to dial it up from. Um, we hear new defensive scheme. We hear, uh, guys like Janarius Robinson having a good fall camp think there's just a lot of question marks.
0: There are a lot of question marks and and that brings me to uh, season, season predictions and, and win loss records. And let's start off with, um, I don't want to go down game by game. We'll have some, some analysts and some pundits do that for us uh, after the break. But uh, I am curious to get your guys thoughts on one, uh, if the Boise state game is played, how important that is. And, and then two, I guess how that plays into your season predictions, which you guys can, people have been asking, we can do a drum roll. You can go ahead and give me your season predictions. Christopher, I'll start with you.
2: I think Boise is insanely important. I think it sets the tone for the entire season. I think they can't afford to lose it because they turned it into their Super Bowl. And if they were to lose it, I'm not sure how they'd handle it. They haven't been good at handling such things in recent years. I believe would have win over Boise. They could go as good as nine and three. My prediction officially, you know, if I have put a hard number on paper, it's yeah, eight do and it. four. Woo! That's kind of just trying to be, you know, a little bit safe, a little bit realistic. But I think ceilings nine and three, maybe ten and two. But I think that's far fast. More Whoa! nine and three to seven and five. Um, so I settle on eight and four. But to me, Boise kind of sets the tone. They win Boise. I feel eight and four is very likely. And better as possible. They lose to Boise. I feel 8 and 4 is the
1: best they're going to do, and it could easily get worse.
0: Josh, is our boy drinking the Kool Aid?
1: I hope so. I've been guzzling it down. Um, slurp, slurp. Uh, as I'm Kool Aid drunk right now, probably just because I'm so excited for the season to get started. So I want to give you nine wins, but I'm going to say eight. Um, eight wins if they beat Boise. And to answer your question, if they lose to Boise, it's, it's much like last year. I f- It's going to feel like we're just trying to keep our head above water. We're trying to get to six wins. I, I think if they lose to Boise State, six wins is going to be tough um, because I anticipate a loss at Virginia. And if you start the season one and two, uh, things can get out of hand quickly because of what Chris said. Uh, this team just hasn't taught themselves how to win. Uh, they they've kind of taught themselves how to lose almost re- uh, really dating back to that Miami game last year. So I think eight and four, um, but I do think they beat Boise State, so there's no reason to factor in what a season prediction would be if they were to lose to them.
0: Uh, I'm with you, Josh. I think the variance between a, a what a win or loss against Boise, if, if that game again is is played, uh, I think it's monumental. I think if you win it, the the goodwill, the momentum, the the confirmation that this team gets that that they're moving in the right direction. You beat Boise, then you likely beat uh, ULM at home, and that gives you two and zero. Like imagine, like how much different that feels than last year. I think eight wins, eight wins is is obtainable and and realistic, and and frankly, probably kind of easy at that point with with what Scheduling. you start building. Uh, but you lose. And yeah, I'm with you. I think I'm more like in the five win range. If you Everything just, looks funny just,
1: if they lose. Uh,
0: and I don't know how much, and I usually like to think of myself as fairly nuanced. And I don't know if there's much in between, like with that game. Uh, and Who again, if
1: and they're not losing that game. So <laughs> <it's, they're
0: fun. laughs> if and if they're not, if they don't play the game, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I'm going to go yeah, my, 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 <laughs> my predictions eight and four. I think they beat Boise State. If they play Boise State, I, I think their depth and uh, overall talent advantage does play out later in the game and helps them. Uh, so I'm going to go eight and four as well. So did we all go eight and four? Yeah, we did. Wow. Exciting. We're really bringing it tonight. All right. Uh, the project that we have coming up has been something that's been a couple a couple of weeks in the works. Uh, it's something that we've all taken apart in and I think is fun. It's different than what anyone else is doing, just the way it's kind of formatted. You're going to hear a bunch of different voices. You may agree with some of them. You may disagree with some of them. Uh, that's the buffet that we're offering you here is, is you're getting to hear different different thoughts and different opinions uh josh you took a a, a part in it and, and actually helped uh i guess you could say helped me out uh in it um what did you think of the the project
1: uh, i thought it was cool to get a bunch of guys on here and ask them a couple questions i love the fact that um it is the same with every podcast I do, but you always tell your guests, Oh yeah, come on real quick. We'll ask you two or three questions. It'll be five minutes, get you in and out. And I, and I love how um, we think that we can do that with people that talk for a living and think that we can actually do a three to five minute clip.
0: <laughs> you, you guys will see me lose control very, very quickly on this. So uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break. But please do stick around. I think it'll be worth the wait. Uh, It'll be really good for for if you're traveling this week to uh, to Jacksonville or Tallahassee or nowhere. Uh, If you have nothing to do, if you have something to do, whatever, this is going to give you something to kill time with. So uh, stick around uh, right after the commercial break here.
3: eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
0: Welcome to the on the bench, Florida State football, 2019 season preview extravaganza. This is Brendan Sinone and I'm going to be bringing tempo. I'm going to be bringing energy, (laughs) Uh, guys, I appreciate everyone listening. Uh, hopefully you found the, uh, the season preview format that Chris and Josh and I had ahead of this enjoyable. Uh, that's going to be, uh, that's, that's just a sample of, of what you're about to get for the next hour or so here. I, uh, I have decided to bring in many friends and colleagues and, and folks who have joined the podcast previously, uh, people who I've known through working uh, in the industry and, and Josh is going to come on and, and help bring in a few folks and, uh, different voices as well. And, Essentially, what we're going to do is, is talk about a dozen or so people who are either uh, diehard fans of the program, a former player of the program, uh, or mostly people who cover FSU and have done so uh, either you – know, some are really new to covering the program. Some have been doing it for a long time, but you have guys who have podcasts, guys who, who are great at the written word. Uh, guys who have radio shows it's going to be a smorgasbord of of opinions and and that's really what i wanted to do was to to get people on this podcast to uh, to give you different insight and different ideas you know we hear a lot from from josh and chris and myself and and i thought it'd be good for you to hear from a bunch of different people to get the temperature of florida state football as we're about to embark on the 2019 season our hurricane pending uh this podcast may be obsolete by by the time you're listening to it but i want to get uh, like I said, those opinions on Florida state football. So I'm going to be asking each guest uh, for, for uh, one or two questions about, about the state of the program right now. And then we're going to get their season prediction as well. Uh, so I'm going to try to speed this along, speed this along as much as possible. We'll see if I cannot uh, trip over my own words through the entirety of this podcast. But I'll, like I said, I'll have Josh coming and help and hopefully Chris will, uh, Will provide a little bit of uh, relief as well throughout the podcast because there's going to be a lot of questions, a lot of interviews, and a lot of really great information for you uh, to get ready for the the 2019 season. So, uh, without further ado, I'm bringing up my first guest, and he is a uh, I, w- I would say someone who has an immense knowledge of Florida State football. Uh, he's been around for a while, and <laughs> that's not to say that he's old. He's just someone who's who's experienced and really knows what he's talking about. Uh, this is Jeff Cameron. From ESPN Radio, Tallahassee, 97.9. Uh, that's uh, that's the Jeff Cameron show that he hosts every single weekday from 3 to 6 p.m. Jeff is a pro's pro. I think he's really informative, has a great voice, uh, and and has a really great understanding. Uh, one, reflective of, of the fan base, and two, knows what what's going on within the program. He's very plugged in. So uh, w- without any more delay, me rambling, stopping. Uh, Jeff, welcome to On the Bench. Thanks for joining us.
4: Hey, Brendan. I am old. I'm 48, and I've been doing it 20 years. It's okay to call me old. I don't know about being a pro, but I'm
0: ready. How about seasoned? (laughs) How about seasoned? I think that's the... I like that. I like
4: that. Yeah, I like that. (laughs) Uh,
0: So, with with the context that you've seen the good, you've seen the bad uh, of Florida State, you've seen the ups and downs, uh, what is your general temperature on the program right now, uh, and how much patience is there for Willie Taggart entering year two from... From the fan base, from your sources within the, the program, I guess, curious just, just the general temperature of FSU football right now.
4: Yeah, they're kind of two different things. I'd say lukewarm. One thing I'd tell you is that I think, obviously, from a university standpoint, I don't know that they have a choice because I, I don't think they have the money to fire him. So, <laughs> no matter how impatient they might be, I think they got to wait another year at the very least. And then I think the fan base is kind of uncertain what to think. Um, they want him to succeed because it's a guy that's embraced the traditions, it's a guy that uh, I think cares deeply about the kids and the, the, you know, the program's history. But the bottom line is, you know this, you've got to win games. So I think he did uh, the right thing in the off season, making changes on his staff. But if they don't go out and play well, uh, obviously most people are going to want that guy gone. But I do think the changes have been for the better. And so uh, I remain hopeful.
0: Uh, With the addition of Kendall Bryles, I know a lot of us are putting, we know that the offense is looked more functional in practice. And the assumption is it can't be a whole lot worse than last year. Uh, But, but do you think there's almost, I guess my opinion is that there may be too much belief in that he's going to turn things around drastically in year one, but I don't know if I'm in the minority or not there with that. Uh, Do you think people are, are maybe overhyping what he can do? Or do you think that's legitimate that, that he's going to come in and and make sweeping changes in, in one year for FSU?
4: Well, no, I do think Kendall's confidence and symbiotic relationship with Randy Clements helps out an awful lot. At least they'll know who to block and why. They may not be talented enough to beat the better teams on their schedule, but I think the schedule is pretty light. So does that mean you get to eight, nine wins? I don't know if that's a radical shift, but certainly much, much better and would trend in the right direction and people could buy in again. Uh, so I think that's possible. I'd say that's possible. No, they're not going to compete for the Atlantic they're not going to compete to win a national title or anything like that. But if you get to eight or nine wins,
0: people might start to believe. Uh, do you think, well, let me get your thoughts. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll pressure you. I'll put you in the corner here, Jeff. Uh, what do you think that the win loss record is this year? And this is with the assumption that FSU does play Boise as we're recording this, <laughs> who, who knows, but it may be obsolete. And, and by the time this is published, but I guess, what do you think, uh, assuming it's a 12 game uh, schedule, what FSU record is this year?
4: Yeah, I think I'm kind of cliche. I'm like everybody else. I think eight wins seems <laughs> about right. To me. Uh, you know, I think eight and four seems about right to me. I, I, it's hard to find five losses. It's hard to find nine wins. Uh, I'll go eight and four if the ball bounces right and they have good injury luck and all that kind of stuff. They could win nine games, but that would be really maximizing your talent. They got to get better at a, at a you know a lot of positions. They got to get deeper too. Um, so they would need everybody to stay healthy but I think they could win eight games they're gonna lose on the road to Clemson they're probably gonna lose on the road to my, uh, to Florida and then you got a couple of games there where from an offensive line standpoint they'll struggle to block it up but there's a bunch of others that you flip a coin and I think honestly um, you should at least split some of those so I- I'll go ahead
0: all right. This is uh, this has been very informative, and I appreciate you uh, you going fast with me here. Hopefully, everyone else keeps up as well, sir. I appreciate it. Like I said, pro's pro, Wiley veteran.
4: <laughs> My pleasure, Brennan. Peace out,
0: buddy. All right. Coming up next, Trey Rollin, the Rollcast. Hey, dude. Hey, Brendan, You're talking so fast, and you're talking <laughs> slowly. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll just be a medium recording then. That's good. We bounce each other out. All right. So the question I have for you, sir, uh, I, I kind of look at you as a, uh, as a moral compass of uh, a Florida state. Uh, you're oh, not your God. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a scary, it's a scary notion. Uh, but but you know you're you able to, you're able to take like a bird's eye view of of Florida State's football program and the way it's covered too, and I think that's that's a strength of yours and something that you do very well on uh, your wildly popular podcast. So uh, enough Ooh. enough enough ball washing here. Uh, if you look at how Willie Taggart was covered uh, in year one locally, and you'll have to say just just us uh, on those 24/7, but but generally speaking, how how do you think he was covered? Uh, by the media, do you think it was fair given given what he inherited and what was produced on the field?
5: Uh, well, now that my balls are squeaky clean, Brendan. Um, int- interesting. I'd say overall, because I mean, I, I, I'd say overall, you guys did a did a very objective job. Obviously, you're not you're not the New York Times. You're not like the you know you're not the the. What is it? The Washington, whatever. I don't know. The one that Bezos owns. You guys aren't that. So when he came in, obviously everybody's excited. Yeah. Do something. Least the simplicity. You get wrapped up in it, man. It's intoxicating. Then I think there was a good job of trying to be objective when things went just in the complete dumpster fire mode. Um, And I think there was some good objective viewpoint given to, Hey, This is really bad. These are the things where we think Taggart might have made a mistake, and these are the things that were beyond his control. So I think from my totally terrifying view as the moral arbiter of Florida State fandom, I I do not accept that title at all. Um, I think pretty good. I think you guys did, did well.
0: You're, you're not the moral arbiter that we uh, that we deserve, but you're the one that we need. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Lo- oh,
4: that's <laughs> <so> nice.
0: <laughs> Win loss record for FSU this season. What's your prediction and why? All right. So I broke down the
5: schedule because I always anytime, anytime Brendan Sinone calls me, I'm doing my A game. So I'll, go, I'll have the schedule in tiers. So we'll go with the first tier. Automatic losses. Clemson, Susie Salmon, Lovely Bones, Trevor Lawrence going to mm-hmm. just going to bash our brains in we're dead so that's a loss i'd say florida even though i don't think they're going to be as good as this year on the road for a team that beat you by what four touchdowns last year it's probably going to be and uh, don't lose my, my fan cred on this But that's probably going to be a loss too so the next tier is the automatic wins i put you know that's ulm that's alabama state that's louisville so you're three and two So you're three and two, and I feel like those—if you want to look from like a statistical wins and losses perspective—those are pretty much those are pretty certain things. Hopefully, fingers crossed that we beat US. Um, So that leaves you with the next seven games, and I kind of put them in the maybe category. So in terms of these games, where it's like kind of some are coin flips, some look better for Florida State, some don't. These are how I think, as far as terms of likely wins. So I think the most likely win out of all those is. It's probably Wake Forest. They kind of run like a weird hyper tempo offense, but you you get them you get them from a talent perspective. They lost Greg Dortz, so I think that's a win. I feel good about beating NC State cuz we're not in the hellscape that is uh, the snake pit over at Carter Finley. They have to come to they have to Come to Tallahassee. So I think we're going to beat them. They lost Ryan Finley, Jalen Samuels, a bunch of other people. I think that's a win too in the maybe column. Then I go BC is my next most likely win. Um they've got They've got a quarterback. They got Dylan, the running back, but they lost some really good defensive ends. They lost some cornerbacks. I think he can. I think he can slap around the Adazios pretty easily. Now, these next four, I have Boise and UVA together. Now I have UVA and Boise together because it's the beginning of the season. We don't really know what we're going to get. We feel like a lot of positivity. We feel like the offense is going to be in a better shape. We feel like the linebackers and the defensive backfield is going to be in a better shape. You people have told us that the offensive line is going to be better. I don't know about that one yet. So in terms of Boise and UVA, I do think we split those. And I feel like we beat Boise, in not not at home, but in Jacksonville. So I feel like we beat Potato Nation in Jacksonville. And I feel like we lose in UVA to the fighting Bronco Minden Mormons. So I think we go one and one there. And then out of Syracuse and Miami, there's a bunch of people that are counting those as two L's. I do not. I think we split Miami and Syracuse. And I think we most likely beat Miami at home for a Willie Taggart signature Florida State win. Do all the math, Brennan. Can you do that? Can you calculate that up?
0: No, Ooh. I got really, eight I got really four confused. Record. Ooh, eight. That's an one eight more time four for the folks at home. One more time. I keep talking over you. <laughs> So
5: that's fine. You do do that a lot. It's very rude. Three guaranteed wins with ULM, Louisville, and Bama State. Two guaranteed losses with Clemson and UF. That gives you a record of three and two. Out of the maybe column, I say we go a respectable five and two with wins over Boise, NC State, Wake, Miami, Boston College. You drop a game to UVA and Syracuse. That gives you an eight and four record, and I think we're belk bowling, baby. Woo! Sounds good, right? Much better than last year. With the caveat, I, that's my prediction. Caveat, things go really downhill with injuries. And if you lose that first game against Boise, there could be like a mental crumbling. However, potential, potential to get up to that nine win, nine, nine, maybe ten. I don't think ten, but you could get to nine with uh, with some good buy-in and some good... Uh, some good, uh, some good health along the offensive line. Some good explosion. Some good explosiveness. There's stuff. There's a little variation, but I feel good at eight. Eight's my pick.
0: Way too much nuance from you. Way too much nuance. That's what you were brought on here for. You're supposed to be brought on for uh, for swearing and whatnot.
5: Well, I can't, man. I got to do a. Really, I got to do a radio show on Monday. This is like my light. Uh, this is like my light uh, training class. I got to get more professional, maybe.
0: Shit. You're 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 Rocky Balboa. <laughs> I'm the chicken that you're just chasing around in the mountains somewhere.
5: That's good. Yeah, I'd say animal animal kingdom wise, you resemble an audio chicken. Yeah, you're the you're, you're the chicken of the Florida State podcast world. The, there's exactly. a lot of
0: a lot of nervous energy, but I taste delicious. All right, thanks for coming on, dude. Appreciate it. See you guys. All right, up next to Reed, FSU beat writer for the Athletic. Sean, what's up, man? What's up, man? How you doing? oh good 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 going rapid speed here all right year two for you on the beat uh what I'm curious about is is you had a pretty strong stance last year with DeAndre Francois thought that uh he received a lot of I think undue criticism of that's fair uh based on what he had around him with the offensive line DeAndre is now gone James Blackman Alex Hornerbrook are the two main quarterbacks right now likely James Blackman we'll see by the time this is produced but uh Uh, What are your thoughts on the quarterback situation? Is this indeed a better room than what quarterback or what FSU had at quarterback last year with DeAndre uh, in the quarterback room?
6: I think you have to say, so just starting from a team chemistry standpoint, I don't think there's any questions that, you know, James Blackman is is one of the most liked guys on the entire football team. And and even though Alex Hornabrook has has only been there for a short time, it seems like he's caught on with everybody pretty quickly, Um, you know, from hanging out with them off the field to getting in in working off season, you know, and player run practices. So I think they'll be better off from that standpoint. I don't think there's any, you know, chance of the locker room being split. You know, depending on whichever guy gets named the starter, even though I think it'll be James Blackman. I think from a depth perspective, you also have to say it's better than last year just off of sheer numbers because you know outside of Blackman and Hornbrook also now they have, you know, Jordan Travis, you know, eligible for this upcoming season. So you know they're better for him for injury. You know, as we saw last year when when DeAndre Francois went down. You know, luckily, you know for them Blackman was ready to step up. But behind him, you know, it's something that happened to him. You know, for example they would have to go on to to Nolan McDonald. So I think, you know, now that they have, you know, three scholarship options and then also walk on options and wide, wide record, you know, I think they'll they'll be fine. Um, So I think overall, you have to say that the quarterback room is better off.
0: Yeah. You have to like having three scholarship guys uh, eligible and ready to play. That that's nice for Florida state. So I want to get your thoughts, win loss record uh, and why for this season.
6: I'm going to stick with eight and four. Um, when I wrote my season preview story a couple months ago, that's what that's what I said. I'm going to go ahead and stick with it. I think, you know, looking at their schedule is kind of interesting because you know you can pretty easily talk yourself into to thinking that they're going to go ten and two, you know, just from saying that the only surefire loss is Clemson and, and Florida. They're probably not going to be favored in that game either. Pretty much every other game they, they might be the favorite, you know, depending on you know how they perform to start the season. Um, but on the same token, you know, a six and six season is also possible. So I, I kind of landed in the middle on that spectrum. I know there's kind of a the safe way to play it but I think that's you know the most realistic outcome you know I, I think they're going to get tripped up you know one of those swing games whether it's you know Boise to start the season or Syracuse or Miami you know both of those are home games you know I, I think they're going to drop one of those just based off of you know what we saw last season I, I think they will be a better team overall this season I think the offensive line you know has room to improve I think the, the offense as a whole will be better under Kendall brows and I think I don't expect the defense to give up as many points as last year with the additional depth that they have in the linebacker room and in the secondary. And so I, I think, you know, eight one season, you know, the fans, they may not be what they're accustomed to, it's not the double digit one season, but I think that's a pretty big step in the right direction for Florida State.
0: All right. Thanks, dude. Appreciate it. No problem, though. All right. Rapid fire. Keeping it going here. Keeping it going. We got a pretty famous Twitter presence right now, at least in the FSU market. And that's Tarif Knockout. He's a local musician. He's the man who brought you lethal simplicity last year. Uh, the hashtag nobody focused and 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 white numbers, which have come to fruition. Tarif, welcome.
7: What's up, Brandon?
0: So Oh, uh, congratulations to you. That was pretty new news that just came out the other day. FSU's got the white numbers, and, and for you, uh, I wanna I wanna get your thoughts. So that. that was something you worked on for like a year, dude. Uh, what's the next project or the next thing you want to see from? Uh, well, I guess for for you, but as it relates to FSU, uh, you you got the Garnet the Garnet pants before, and now the now the white numbers. Hey, what do you want to see next for Florida State in terms of like branding and, and how they kind of kind of handle themselves in terms of social media and whatnot?
8: Oh yeah, most definitely, man. The white numbers back, you know. I'm so excited about that, bro. Um, you know, my goal next is you know hopefully to be in, inside the room, you know, while they're making these decisions. So you know, yeah. FSU get me at the round table just to make sure everything goes smooth. No, that's what I'm working on.
0: All right, that's that's a big step, but you you definitely brought yourself some uh, some credibility uh, with your work on social media and and the uh, certainly the most vocal uh, presence for the white numbers. Uh, so Tarif, let's see. We got a I, I want to get a prediction from you. Wins, losses. Uh, what do you think's going to happen to FSU this season and uh, and why?
8: Um, I like for us to make a jump in the win column. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking at like eight and four. Eight and four is more than likely than ten and two. I think nine and three is more than likely than six and six. But, you know, I, I stick right around eight wins and, and a nine in the bowl. A nice bowl game late December.
0: Going bowling. All right. I like it. Thanks for joining oh. us, dude. Yeah, no problem. All right, moving on faster. No one's cooperating with me. Everyone's just taking their sweet time. Next up, this guy talks pretty quickly. Tom D'Angelo, former FSU beat writer for the Palm Beach Post, and now a big-time, big-shot college football columnist for the Palm Beach Post. Hello. Brandon, I do talk fast. That's because I'm from the Northeast. You do. And, you, and and when you swear, it's amazing. It's amazing. But we'll try to well, the the word that you're really great at saying we won't we won't address that on the podcast right now. But that's we'll right. That, we'll try not to. That that Boston accent uh, with profanity is just music to my ears. All right, dude. So you wrote a column uh, pretty recently to to do your season preview uh, deal with Florida State. You did for every team, I imagine. But Florida State, you wrote a column basically saying it's time for Florida State fans to uh to move on from the blame game with Jimbo Fisher, obviously there was a lot of that uh, this offseason with, with people looking at the APR, uh, some of the talent deficiencies, uh, and some of the restrictions that Willie Taggart had. I'm curious to get your thoughts on on why you'd write such a mean article about Florida State fans. I am a horrible person. But I think it's time <laughs> for the fans, for
9: the administration too. Uh, you, can only, you can only blame Jimbo Fisher for so long. Look, I understand there were problems. And I knew, I knew he, he went out uh, on bad terms. He didn't leave the program in the best of shape, but Jimbo Fisher wasn't on the sidelines when Florida state blew a 20 point lead in the last 21 minutes in Miami. He wasn't on the sidelines when Florida state lost, I think five games by at least 20 points. He wasn't on the sidelines when they continued to have problems, Continued to have mental errors right through the final game of the season against Florida. So that, that, that all, that all had nothing to do with Jimbo Fisher. Look at it. Look, Jimbo, Jimbo Fisher also took over a 7 team in 2010. He won 10 games that first year. So I think it's time for for this program to start looking ahead instead of looking back and and uh, trying to find an excuse for everything that went wrong. And what I wrote was it seemed like uh, Willie Taggart was 5-0 and last year and Jimbo Fisher was 0-7. And we know that wasn't the case. So I don't think Willie Taggart's on the hot seat. Barring anything crazy, I mean, if they win three or four games, yeah, I think the boosters would try to come up with seventeen million dollars if they had to start, you know, they had to start selling their own blood to, to come up with that money <laughs> to get rid of them. But that's not going to happen. I, 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 I don't think. I don't think he's. Um, this is not going to be his final year at Florida State. I, I do see some improvement, but you know, this can't go on for a long time. There has to be. There has to be gradual improvement here, year by year by year for this for this fan base. To start having confidence in this coach, and for this program to get back to where we are used to it being for many many years,
0: a a, a booster blood sale would be uh, would be or blood drive a booster blood drive would be quite the thing. Um,
9: uh, <laughs> I, I don't know how often they can come up with that money because this isn't a program that prints money like uh, uh, certain other programs and well one like one other for sure program in the state of Florida. Oh, uh, Tom, that, that, what just... do they call it? That they call it that school out east. Is that, how, is that what they
0: call it in Tallahassee? Or down south? I don't know. I don't know what they call south, it. But south, you, you've become just so salty and cantankerous since you've become a columnist. So salty and cantankerous, and I like it. I do. Uh, all right, win loss, uh, win loss prediction, and just and just why you think uh, you're gonna you're gonna the number that you're about to tell us. Why There'll be, there will be an improvement. I think uh, I see seven wins. It, at this and this all depends on
9: the opener. This opener is as important a game. As FSU has had in a long time, if Boise State ever beats Florida State, then I, then all bets are off. My seven wins is out the window, and everything could go south quickly. Uh, but and that would be the worst thing that could happen in, by tenfold for for Willie Taggart. But I think I think they win that game. I think they win seven games. Um, I think their schedule, and I'm sure Willie Taggart wants to hear this because I know he's listening because mm-hmm. he said he would be listening to this podcast. But it is an easier schedule. Take that, Willie Taggart. It's an easier schedule. The main reason is Notre Dame is off the schedule. Um, they still have, uh, they still have a difficult crossover game with and, and, and against a team from the state of Virginia, but this time it is Virginia, the team that is predicted to win the, uh, coastal division, by the way. So, um, there are, there are some landmines. obviously hey, they're not going to be Clemson. They're probably not going to be Florida, barring something crazy happening by the end of the year. But right now their talent efficiency was there. Uh, and, and I, I, I see three more losses, probably Virginia This team always struggles at Boston college. That's a tough game for them, no matter what. And I I think Syracuse is, I think Syracuse is, you know, they then maybe not a top 15 team. Like I think they were voted last year at the end of the year, but I still have them in my top 25. And I think they will be a top 25 team throughout playing in the ACC, especially that'll be a tough game. So uh, that that's five losses. I'll give them seven and five going into the bowl season. Get lucky. You win eight games. If If you get lucky and you win your bowl game, that's eight wins. And then there's a, just a little bit more hope, and I and maybe that can kind of jumpstart Willie Taggart into his third year.
0: You've become such a heel since you became a columnist, and I love it. And I wish everyone talked as quickly as you did, too. This would be going a lot faster. All right, thanks, buddy.
9: My pleasure, Brendan. Anytime you have a
0: podcast, just call me because faster. I'm the podcast king. Faster! All right, that was a little bit faster because Tom talks very quickly. Now I got Safid Dean. Soffit is a former Florida state beat writer for the Orlando. You guys Sentinel. remember
10: me. I know you guys remember <laughs> me. Come on, Brendan, Let's get through with this, bro. Quickly. Yes. Fast, fast, fast.
0: Uh, he Wait just,
10: what? 76 <laughs> specials. <laughs> ready I, I, to happen, man. Let's not... go. I don't even know if they get a bowl game this year, man, but I think you got to get that streak back going up, man. You got to get the bowl streak going back up. Seven to mm-hmm. six special though. This season is not going to look good for Willie Taggart. I'm sorry, Seminole fans.
0: Oh my God, there's not, there's not 13 regular season games, so that means seven and five, <laughs> six and six, six
10: and six. Sorry, I have to keep it to 12. Right, six and six. You guys are going to be three and three by the time the Clemson game starts. Uh, then of the Clemson game. Uh, Let's get I, that out of the way. Boise mm-hmm. State, I don't know, man. Boise State is not a run over. That's a loss first week. you are going <laughs> to lose at Virginia, NC State, Louisville. You what, don't know at home. This what team like to you lose on at on home here? recently. Why did I bring you on
0: here? Oh, my God. Listen, all right.
10: I'm here to give the people what they need to hear, man. It's not going to be a great year. I like to send my thoughts and prayers to James Blackman behind the offensive line. Poor guy, man. He's been beating up all his years in Tallahassee. I, I cannot wait for his college career to be over so he can play behind a better offensive line. But, yeah, dude, 7-5, seven, 6-6, seven six six, however you get the 12 games, it's not going to be pretty next year, man. Just like what we've seen the last couple of years, Brendan.
0: All right, and, and uh, do, can do I get you, off this
10: podcast now? Can no, I real quick.
0: I have a special question for you. Uh, and Safa does cover uh, the Miami Dolphins for the Sun Sentinel now, and is covering big, broad political topics now. Uh, I do want to get your your thoughts, though, dude? You did. Uh, we're doing this in complete reverse order. You've thrown me off my game. This was a terrible idea on my part. That's fine. Uh, we're going with a it.
10: Great idea. This is the best part of the podcast. <laughs> so I don't you know co- lie to these people.
0: So you covered the beginning of the Willie Taggart tenure, uh, his, him getting hired, uh, all that feel good that came with it the spring. Uh, then you left for, uh, for greener pastures, like a week into the, well, not even a week into the season. Did you even cover the first game you got out of there before Virginia tech? Um, uh, so what was
10: I got it out of there? What was it? <laughs> it, was, it was the funniest thing I've ever seen watching that Virginia tech game at home, man. I'm sorry. Everybody going crazy swag surfing before the game, the stupid turnover bag, good thing that that thing is gone i wonder who ended up with that bag now that it's not going to be around this year um listen man this florida state team brandon as you know the last couple years the last couple years of jimbo this team kind of just forgets man they want to forget about the past and they really need to remember that this is what they are they're they've been seven and six they've been five and six they're a mediocre team they're not a 10-win team anymore
0: none of your math makes sense all right florida gator honk you get out of here (laughs) <laughs> i don't know what the hell that was that was a terrible idea this is all shaping up to be a terrible idea no one's going fast no one's doing what i want them to do Sofa just ruined this whole thing i i i don't know all
1: right all right brendan brendan you got to relax go over there take a seat i got this i can be in control for a minute you breathe or blow into a bag whatever it is you do over there but um
0: mm.
1: I got two guys coming up. I can handle it from
0: here. Uh, Come on, fire it up. Let's go. Fine. I guess I'll take a break, but uh, don't, don't steal my thunder, dude.
1: And up next, Brendan, I got comedian Benji Brown. I want to keep this thing moving. So what's up, Benji? Welcome back on the bench. Yeah, man.
7: Thank you for having me back, man, Josh, man. I was looking forward to it and is the perfect time to get on the uh, bench here because uh, the season is right there at the doorstep.
1: I can't wait. Um Benji, what type of quarterback play do you expect to see from James Blackman now that he's returning once again as the full-time starter? I expect uh,
7: you know, I think they they hit the ground running uh quickly, you know, barring the uh time to throw the ball. I think you got a uh a a, a a offensive coordinator in Kendall Brawls who. He's a uh, real adept at uh, using what he has as far as uh, uh, his strengths and weaknesses on on the offensive side of the ball. And so, uh, let's say if the uh, offensive line shows that uh, you know they kind of regressing or you know similar to last year, kind of a level of play, I think I think uh, Kendall Brown is good enough to uh, make an adjustment of getting the ball out of Blackman's hand even quicker. And so
1: I I, I expect to see that man. Yeah. Uh, of yeah, James Blackman. Hopefully that that'll limit some of the hits he takes as well. Um, but if James Blackman <laughs> can stay healthy, you know, let's just assume James Blackman can stay healthy. Uh, Benji, give me your official Florida state season prediction. What you got? Well, I've been thinking about it uh, uh, over the course of uh, the last month. Barring, it, you know, if James
7: Blackman can stay healthy, of course the offensive line can stay healthy. I, I would accompany with a, uh, a, a, a fortunate bounce here and there. I got Florida state winning about maybe nine to 10 games.
11: Uh, I think they're
7: dealt, Yeah. I, I was a nine in a regular season. Uh, and then and, and, uh, you add the bowl game, that could be the 10th win uh, an injury here and there or a bad bounce. I say uh, eight wins in a regular season with the bowl game, a chance to win nine. The reason why I uh, am confident that they possibly could eke out a 10 win season is that first quarter of the season? They even if they they just get past Boise State, you you get uh you, you know Louisiana Monroe in week two,
4: mm-hmm.
7: you have an opportunity to start feeling good. You know uh, reps. Uh, the 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 kicker is game number three,
1: right? Virginia on the road.
7: They go to Virginia to win that game, and then you can start the uh, avalanche uh, for the season. That's the game. That is the game of the year for them uh, to to that would kind of catapult the confidence levels to the moon mm-hmm. and uh, and start a snowball. So I've been circling that game. I think the Florida State starts two and zero. That game is a another prime time slot. Three if it's not a three thirty game, um, you know if it hasn't already been uh, scheduled then, uh as far as time wise. I, I, I want to say it's a seven or eight o'clocker uh, at night
1: in. Yeah, it's a night one. It's a night game.
7: Oh, well, see, there you go. Mm-hmm. So uh, they go up there and win that game, but I think it's snowballs. I think it's snowballs as far as conference. Uh, 9-10
1: wins. I'm, I'm talking
8: to 9-10 be
7: wins. 9 ten wins, and you get a bounce, a block kick, a fumble recovery, and, uh, uh, you know, Kendall Browse and company. I tell you.
1: I tell you. All right. Well, let me squeeze this well, one in we, got we, we got a second. Who is your favorite member of On the Bench? I know you're a longtime listener first time caller second time caller, I should say, <laughs> man, I tell you, you know what uh if I was biased, I'd say josh
7: Newberg, I'd say but no. then you know i, I was i had a, a coin it was a coin toss at first, it would be you know it, each day I'd kind of flip a coin and say right. one it could be brendan right and and, and I, I you know what uh so I listened to uh you know maybe three or four to start in episodes. I was always—I don't know why—always intimidated by Chris. He—he he is just—he's like the Nick Saban of uh, podcasts. Rough, huh? I mean, he he's a he 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 yeah oh. So so I started uh you know—I started listening in my car,
3: uh-huh. and then
7: I—you know—I was scared. Then I would listen to the podcast in my garage. Just scared. I wanted to hide. Chris scares me. And then all of a sudden. You know, I'm starting to warm up to Chris. You know, I'm not even scared of him anymore. He made me feel like, uh, you know, it's the I'm the new guy on campus and he's taking my lunch money all of a sudden. I I just like it. He's a wealth of knowledge, information. Not to say Brendan doesn't have it. Not to say Josh Newberg doesn't have it. It's just that uh, you guys give a little persona, you know, a little pizzazz, a little swag. Chris is that, you know, Bill Belichick, doesn't like it is. Uh, he gives you the info as uh, far as recruiting. Not even, I don't even think he smirks. I don't even think Chris smiles. I mean, we can get like uh, Savelle Smalls. We can get him. Chris will tell you, you know, if he commits to Florida State, Chris will report that with a straight look on his face. So I, I, I just, I just, I, I think, uh, I, I think I got a chuckle out of him the last podcast, and I, 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 I want to say it. it's a flip, it's a coin toss. Monday's Brendan, Tuesday Chris, Wednesday Brendan, Thursday me. It just goes back and forth. Britton. you guys, I don't know. The next The next uh, podcast is going to decide it. It's going to decide it. Hey, it's going to decide
1: it. I, I love the fact that you can hear Chris Knee talk with his arms crossed. I mean, you, it really comes through <laughs> in the podcast. Form. Yeah. i like, I'm like, I'm like mm-hmm. <laughs> Chris is the type. On a first date, the
7: girl across the table could say, Chris, yeah. Chris? Yeah. Guess what? Yes. It's your lucky night. Thank you. (laughs) Chris, did you not hear what I said? It's your lucky
4: night. (laughs) Chris, Chris,
7: Yeah, thanks. Uh, Yeah, that's fine and dandy. Dandy? (laughs) That's
10: all you got, dandy?
7: You know, (laughs)
10: uh, Chris
7: Chris scores on the first date with his arms folded. Get out of here, Chris. Chris, please.
1: this is is the result of being on a message board for 17 straight years i think chris is the first (laughs) case study of of what happens to a human being that has to monitor a message board for 17 straight years you know what it's understand now i can you know what you make me see it all all right benji brown thank you i gotta keep this thing moving i appreciate your time yes sir appreciate you see ya. All right. Next up, I got CBS twenty four seven Sports Senior Director of Scouting and Overall Ranking Czar Barton Simmons with us. Uh, Barton, welcome to On the Bench. How you doing? I'm great. I'm great. What's going on, guys? All right, man. We're gonna keep this thing going. Um, entering their third year, you know what's known as their money year. How do you think former five star recruits Cam Akers and Marvin
11: Wilson will do this year? Whew. I, I mean, I I just hope, as a fan's sake they're gonna do really well i mean Cam makers i've been waiting for that breakout for uh well i guess a year i mean he kind of had a pretty good freshman season and then last year was really the disappointment so I mean I think that's probably going to be a pretty good litmus test for how this team is if the offensive line is is decent then I gotta think that just some space to run for cam makers is going to create some exciting uh big play explosiveness in that offense so i, I don't know i, I think I think cam Akers is going to look more like the guy we thought he was coming out of high school. Um, and, and yeah. Marvin Wilson seems to be tracking that same way too. So I, I have pretty high expectations for those guys.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I, I, agree with you. I think cam Akers is the one that we all want to see it happen. Cause we really haven't, you know, we, we got to see flashes. Like you said, two years ago, Marvin, he's been a little bit more consistent, but I agree. Um, one more five star from that 2017 class, Joshua Kando, Uh, defensive end he's not listed as a starter heading into the season Uh, he's been injured throughout camp so that could be a reason but I mean former five-star do you think he'll ever live up to the hype and if not where do we really miss on him
11: uh it seems like he's not going to live up to the five-star hype Um, that doesn't mean that he's not going to be a a really good college player or an NFL guy but uh, you know typically the five stars would have emerged by now. Mm-hmm. I think the thing with, with, with Kendo was just, he was such a unique body type mm-hmm. um, and still is really. Uh, but obviously w- when you're in on the high school level, body type can, can mask some other deficiencies. And I, I guess sort of the, just that well-rounded nature of his game hadn't, hadn't emerged yet. But I mean, look, whenever you're that talented, whenever you're that physically gifted, um, I mean, you guys would know this, you know, boots on the ground down there and uh, seeing it closer than I have um, in terms of what he's been missing in his career so far. But whenever you are that physically gifted, I mean, there's always a chance the light comes on mm-hmm. and uh, and, the, and the switch flips. So, you know, I guess that's another one that we'll just sort of have to hope that comes uh, junior year. No, I agree with you. We, you know, talking to
1: sources, everybody's kind of holding out hope. Nobody's given up on Kendo yet. Just like you said, Um there's just so much potential within his size and frame. And if he can put it all together, even if it's just for one season, um, we've seen it flash a little bit, but I agree with you. All right. All right. So give me your season prediction, all things considered coming off of five and seven. You can be honest with us, but, uh, I want your Florida state season prediction.
11: Okay. So I am, I'm on the record with Florida state at eight and four. Um, I think they're too talented. Um, not to be real, not to be good. I think that they're, you know, defensively, I mean, there's playmakers and, and I think that secondary the youth that they've got the, the sort of the young playmakers emerging from that group mm-hmm. are really good. I think on offense, I mean, another year with James Blackman sort of maturing uh, the, you know, we talked about cam makers, the, the Tamari and Terry types that I think can be big play vertical okay. threats to this new offense. I think are all exciting so, but obviously to me, it all comes down to the offensive line. I'm sure that's probably a refrain that a lot of people are saying. <laughs> it's um, a theme, yeah. But, but, but like, the, my, my take is all right, if Kendall Browse is that dude, then mm-hmm. he is going to come in here and at least present, and, and his offensive line coach, too, um, Coach Craig Clements. Yeah, they've they've got to present a situation that can that can allow that offensive line to be successful. If they can do that, if they can just sort of put together a scheme that's simplified and gives those guys a chance, I think that's kind of all it takes to to to, to give this team enough edge to to sort of cycle up to that eight and four type of season. Now, here's the big caveat: as this Boise State game approaches, those eight right. wins include the Boise State win, and the closer we get to it the less confident I am that Florida state can handle like an experienced uh, disciplined Boise state team, even with a true oh, freshman. I quarterback. Say so I, so that's my waffle here. Is that right? I, no,
1: I agree with you, Barton. I, I'm on, I'm on that boat. I, I believe eight and four, but if they lose that Boise state game, we're looking at more of a season where they're just trying to keep their head above water and become bell, bowl eligible the rest of the way out. It's going to be a struggle if they lose that opener.
11: I think if they win against Boise, then you can sort of say anything's possible this year. If they lose against Boise, then it's, it's, uh, and which is, which is very, I think, realistic. If they lose against Boise, then, you know, it could be, uh, could be a tough one. Let's not talk about that right now, Barton. It's, it's
1: (laughs) before the season where it's hope, it's excitement. Let's leave it at that. Thank you, Barton Simmons. (laughs) Yeah, man. That was
11: fun. Appreciate it. All right. See you, boss. All right. See y'all.
0: All right, that's enough of your shit, Newberg. I'm getting uh, I'm getting back on track here with, with the way I want to do this thing, all right? And uh, and with that in mind, I'm bringing in my friend, very good friend, a friend of the show, if you will, Wayne McGehee, Tallahassee Democrat. Hi, Wayne. Hey, buddy.
12: Uh, good to talk to you again. I didn't see you, you know, a few hours ago this morning.
0: Yeah, and also the magic of editing. Uh, I, uh, you know. I already completely messed up our first podcast because I forgot to hit record midway through. So I'm bringing you on again for take two.
12: Hey, you know, I'm, I'm always excited for you to waste my time. Yeah, uh, I'm i great at wasting my time
0: and other people's time as well. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to ask you a really authentic and genuine question here. Uh, one that I know uh, you haven't thought about at all or answered previously. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for the people out there who are saying FSU's defense <laughs> is a multiple scheme, not a 4-3, not a 3-4, but multiple, uh, what, what do you have to say about that?
12: Um, well, I'm going to tell you, like I told you earlier, that uh, the only thing multiple about the defense is the multiple defensive tackles that they'll be using on the defensive line. It's a 3-4. It was funny know, the first have, time. It, it was funnier the first time. You first out laughing the first time. Somebody can't hit uh, one single button, <laughs> but anyway, Faster. go, go, go. yeah, you know, no, now, now I'm just going to take my time, <sighs> but um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a three four defense during the first practice of fall camp. We got to watch the, the entire practice and they didn't line up with a four man front the entire time. You know, Josh Cando and Janarius Robinson haven't put their hand in the dirt that we've seen, you know, Leonard Warner and Amari gainer coming off the edge that they're both listed as the, as edge rushers, like Kendo, Gainer, Warner and Robinson are all listed as edge rushers. You know what edge rushers are edge rushers in a three, four, they're not, not, they're not four, three defensive ends. You know, we've seen that before last year, they were listed as defensive ends this year. They're listed as edge rushers. Oh yeah. And Robert Cooper's listed as a nose guard. so So, no it's it's definitely a three
0: that's kind of a yeah it's kind of a three four uh term do you uh, what are your thoughts on what you've seen what you've observed what you've heard from sourcing uh about the defense and and kind of how this transition to a not three four (laughs) has gone
12: yeah um from multiple you know multiple people about this multiple defense and uh you know through multiple days of camp i've i've heard that you know there's there was concern that uh, the pass rush wasn't getting home at first. And then as they went through camp, things got better. Um, through the first scrimmage, I think we both heard that um, that it was okay in the first scrimmage. It wasn't great. But that was also because Leonard Warner, Josh Kando, and Marvin Wilson, who they expect to be their three best pass rushers this season, weren't participating. Um, in the last scrimmage, I heard that the defense uh, did much better it got home a lot. Um, the, the pass rush got home a lot quicker uh, because Marvin Wilson and Leonard Warner were back, and it caused a lot of issues for the offense. Uh, Kando was not back, from what I was told, and um, you know, getting him back will obviously increase that. So, uh, I was skeptical coming into the year. I'm still a little skeptical because you know, it's scrimmage, and there's still you know, the unknown about Florida State's offensive line as far as that goes. But um, the early returns are positive.
0: All right. And then I, uh, before you go, I want to win loss record and a reason why. And, uh, because, uh, you can make fun of me for not being able to hit a button. Right. But at least I know there's 12 games in the season. Your first answer was seven and six. So you get a chance to, uh, to redeem yourself.
12: Yeah, no, well, there will <laughs> be 13 games in this season because we'll be going to a bowl game. Uh, so then uh, six and I six. No, 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 no. Seven and five, maybe eight and four. I, I think that, that 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 no that, that that's where the line is. It's seven and five or eight and four. Um, if the offensive line shows significant progress, it's I mean there's so many different possibilities, but I'm going I'm going with seven and five. That's my final answer. I just wouldn't be surprised anywhere from six and six to nine and three.
0: <laughs> Wayne, thank you. Okay, I'm gonna be a tad nicer to my next guest. Uh, coming up here is Timothy Linnefelt of Seminoles.com, dot com covers FSU. Uh, are you the senior writer, Tim? The beat writer? I don't. What, what, what should I call you? I am, I am the senior writer. That's right. The senior writer. Is there a junior writer? No. In fact, <laughs> I skipped right over it. I started as a senior writer. So I don't know uh, how that how that even works? That's impressive. It's a power play for you. That was good. That was good at the negotiating yeah, table. I have a good agent. <laughs> yourself. All right. Do you uh, do you like the intro music to the podcast? Are you a fan? I, I do I tell you I, that's a band that I would like to learn uh,
13: more about as a, uh, I, I, I was gonna say a former a ska aficionado but
5: the truth
0: is I can barely myself. you you are still ska Scott You die uh, and I heard the absolutely, the absolutely the rhythm guitars for the band's pretty good looking too all right you ready You're re- <laughs> are you are you ready I'm trying to I'm trying to speed this this whole deal along but I've just found out that that hasn't worked at all for any of my guests so far uh, I actually I got wait internet what's the rush. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, when you got like a parade of a parade of experts such as yourselves, um, you know, you just want to give everyone a, a chance to go through. Uh, all right. All right. So you are privy to scene practice and obviously you can't you know report everything going on there, but you get to see more than anyone else does. Uh, and legitimately, I'm curious, Tim, like your thoughts of the vibe, the energy, is there a difference from camp in year two under Willie Taggart to year one is it about the same I don't know if that's like something that we're overblowing but Coach Taggart has talked a lot about uh it it feeling a little bit different I'm curious to get your thoughts on that
13: yeah I do honestly um and it's kind of subtle little ways uh if if that makes any sense but but yeah uh, I see it uh, especially in the offense uh you know I don't want to overstate things but I really um I like what Kendall Bryles brings to that group i like what randy clements brings to his offensive line and, and i think i've said this a few times And i'll say it to anybody who listens i just i love so much um the dynamic between kendall bryles and randy clements and the fact that they've known each other for so long and i think it just man it just permeates everything on the offense and, and and the way that it works i think specifically the question you're asking is these guys feel so much more confident uh
4: mm.
13: in what they're doing you know like it was pretty common a year ago and even to a degree, six months ago to see guys, I mean, they just, you know, you'd see sort of, you know, puzzled looks on faces, hands up in the air, Where are we supposed to be? What are we supposed to do? That sort of thing. Uh, And you really don't see that much at all anymore. Um, And so I think that really helps uh, a lot. Um, A lot of the the pre-snap penalty stuff like that, that, you know, people are really worried about. I mean, I I know it's not in game, but they do have officials working at these practices. um, and, And in some cases, ACC officials, uh, and and you know they they'll call that if it happens and the instances of that have been uh, very 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 slight uh, if any at all uh, and so you know man I, I think this, you know they say the confidence is such a big deal Um, and it, and it kind of permeates the entire practice I think man I mean those guys feel like they know what they're doing they feel like they're getting good at what they're doing which I think is a big deal so now you know you're not playing timid you're not playing uh, confused you know and and it, it becomes sort of like a second nature to guys and so then. I think that's really good, and then I think it, you know it brings things out in the defense. I mean, there was a practice not too long ago, maybe a week or so, where I thought that the uh, the offense was just just crushing it. I mean, they were doing really really well, um, and to the point where you know, um, how, what's, what's the defense going to do here? Because there's been times uh, where maybe they didn't respond the way you wanted them to. Well, this time the defense kind of got together and 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 actually bounced back and, and came back the next few periods uh, and, and, and played really, really well and kind of swung things back in their favor. I'm like, that's what, you you know, to me, what you want to see. Uh, and so, so yeah, like it's, it's it's kind of little things like that. I mean, you know, practices, I mean, it's basically formatted the same I mean, Willie Taggart's the same person, that sort of thing. But I think just the overall belief and confidence guys have in, in what they're doing in, in, I know it's not the same offense, but year two of running at least this style of offense, um, it matters.
0: You have, you have all the listeners of On the Bench just salivating right now. You, you <laughs> got, you, <laughs> they're drooling over the idea of a functional offense. And, and with that in mind, uh, I would like, before we let you go, Tim, the, your win-loss record for the year, it sounds like you're more bullish on the offense and, and like what you're seeing in camp or what we have seen in camp. Camp's done now. Uh, what do you think the record's going to be for FSU in the regular season? What's your official prediction that I'm sure you haven't given anywhere else yet? And uh, and why? I did. I definitely haven't, um, mainly, beca- mainly because I
13: haven't given one yet, uh, mainly because I really haven't decided uh, on one. Um, but if you're going to pin me down, I I am. Probably, I'd probably say eight and four sounds pretty good to me. Okay. Um, and, and, and I really think, and this isn't a secret, that uh, the, the game Saturday uh, is going to tell us a lot about uh, about this season, right, um, yeah. and in terms of what to expect. So I think even from a win-loss record, uh going forward uh, particularly because you know if if you win it and and heaven help us if, if you win it convincingly and uh, now all of a sudden you start looking at the rest of that schedule and you think okay you know there's some pretty, pretty manageable games uh and if the game doesn't go well now you're looking at it and saying okay wh- what are our reasonable expectations uh, moving forward um but i like it i really like the offense um i like some things i like a lot of things about the defense i ha- i probably have more questions about the defense Uh, mostly just because, one, you know, depth in certain positions, and then, uh, you know, we we haven't seen uh, them run this scheme yet uh, in a game and and how that's going to work. But I really think, and, you know, strike strike me down if I'm wrong, but I really think that the offense uh, is going to be significantly improved to the point where I think it's going to trickle down to the defense as well. I mean, think about all the, you know, the the short breathers they got last year, the short fields that they had to, to work with, that sort of thing. Uh, I think it's going to help the defense a lot in that regard. So uh, I still think there's some games that, you know, are, are going to be really, really challenging. You know, at Clemson, of course, stands out. Um, and, you know, going on the road, we'll see what, what what's going on with Florida by that point. But, you know, there, there are going to be some tough games on that schedule. But, but really it sticks out to me, and I don't know how you feel about this, Brendan, is just so many, like, you just go game by game on the schedule. Uh, there's probably, in my opinion, eight or nine games where you could look at it and say, uh, and that game could go either way. I mean, like, like as of right now, you know, in late August, feel to me just like coin flip type games. Uh, and so I'm thinking, you know, if you, if you split those the way you should, or maybe win a few more of them, then then you don't. Uh, that probably puts you somewhere in the eight and four range.
0: I, I think part of that, Tim, is we don't know what Florida State is going to be. Right? Like, we we think there's going to be optimism or in, we're optimistic about uh, improvement. We I think anyone who's watched the team and especially yourself with the access you have, like, you know uh, that things look better. We've heard everything. It looks more functional on, on offense, and and that should, in theory, help out the defense. But like you said, that Boise State game is kind of – I'm calling it the blueprint game. Do you like that? Because Willie Taggart's blueprint is kind of like this is this is a big game for him because this is a swing game, I think, for this season. So I, I'm with you. Yeah. you got to win that one. And, and then I think a lot of those coin flip games become a little bit more clear. If, uh, exactly, if you exactly build right. confidence early on so we're on the same you know, page and I,
13: I, I mean, that's what i mean and I, I know we're trying to be quick here but it's sort of like if you, you know, think
0: right now that, you know, that should sailed games, a long time ago
13: <laughs> if, if you think right now that a lot of those games are, are sort of you know 50 50 type games okay well if you beat boise now all of a sudden maybe they start feel like 60 40 or 70 30 and if you don't now all of a sudden it's kind of leaning in the other direction so i'm with you um, I think this is a, uh, it's, it's a really important game just kind of for the program. Um, and look, man, I mean, you know, theoretically they could, they could lose the first game and, and reel off 11 more. You never know how things are, or 11 more wins. Um, you never know how things are going to go, but there's, there's no doubt, I think for perception. And then I think for just for the you know confidence of the players and that, uh, you know, everybody in, in the belief in what they're doing, it's, um, it's a big game, especially because, uh, you know, coming home to ULM, you'd like to think you've you some success in that one. But I think no matter what happens, I think that week three game at Virginia yeah. is going to be pretty hard. And it'd be a pretty, uh, uh, to me, it's a significant achievement uh, to go up there and, and, and beat Virginia in a night game. Uh, you know, that's a program that's been on the rise and, and has a really good coach. So uh, I think, you know, one, one cool thing about this season is it's not going to take long to figure out what you got.
0: Here comes Virginia. Do you like that? <laughs> is, is that their fight song? I don't, I don't know. I think it sounds
13: right. Do, uh, no, don't they? Um, I've heard it, it somewhere like before. People know. Um, people know. I don't know. Anyway.
0: No. Hey. Safe travels. To uh, to Jacksonville as long as we don't get rained out. All right. Thank and, you, uh, yeah. How
13: about that? That's gonna be. This will be four straight years that we've had
0: hurricanes coming, try to uh, muck things up. And I'm pre-recording all of this uh, like for days, and it's airing on I think Thursday, but God knows what's going to be happening to the state by Thursday yeah. by the time say airs. We yeah. may not the Blueprint game may not even be on the schedule anymore. It may be back in don't you know, even, like November. Not even speak that into existence. That'd be a huge bummer. Nobody wants that. Don't use Blueprint Game in your story. That's my dibs. That's pretty good. I like that. (laughs) Dope.
13: All right. You said
0: this this is running on
13: Thursday, so I got 48 hours to
0: get it. No. (laughs) Thanks, (laughs) Ted. You got it, too. All right. Coming up, this guy is a big damn deal in the world of podcasts. I'm bringing to you Bud Elliott. He's the recruiting lead at Bandersociety.com. Check it out there. All of his work. Uh, They're doing a lot of cool stuff. Uh, also the founder of tomahawk nation so you guys in the fsu market obviously know bud and uh, i think most importantly he is the og of fsu podcasts the host of the Nullcast. bud welcome what's What's going on brennan is that a uh, was that a, a good introduction i feel like this is this is a big deal you don't do a whole lot of like fsu podcasts outside of your own so i wanted to, to do some thorough ball washing to thank you for for having you on
14: <laughs> I, I appreciate that although i do have to give my co-host uh credit for starting it he was a radio producer for chuck oliver uh, back in atlanta back in what he started like 09 or 10 um and i come on his show as a guest from my Tomahawk days and uh, he was like hey there's this thing coming in the media market it's gonna be called a podcast <laughs> what's a podcast and uh, he's like well you have a good radio voice and we like having you on as a guest and uh we should start a Florida State podcast together. So, it was Ingram's idea, and uh, that's that's really how it started.
0: And and now there's like thirty different FSU podcasts saturating the market, and uh, and I love like there's this competition. People are like, oh, I don't, uh, yeah, I like this one, but I don't like this one, and and it's like, yeah, you know, you have a buffet to choose from, and uh, and inevitably, I feel like everyone's listening to every single one of them. It's just the order in which they do it.
14: And, and legitimately, it is better for the market to have more podcasts, right? More more, more choices because what are, what are we all trying to get eventually? Advertisers. And as podcasts become more of an accepted medium for advertisers, people are more likely to advertise with me or you or, or whomever, right? Like we still encounter businesses who don't understand the power of podcast marketing, which has a much more uh, like dedicated audience than, than your average radio audience. So I, I love it. Uh, I've only I just tried don't have a whole lot of time to go on other
0: ones. To go to go do other ones, well, and and thankfully we're doing the rapid fire segment. Although I've completely lost control of of that for for this podcast, it's it's off the rails. But uh, but I want to get your thoughts on this is a topic you tweeted about a lot back in I think it was in the spring, and I think it still holds true. And that's FSU's offensive line. Uh, we look at where they were last year, awful, right? One of the worst in, in Power Five, if not the worst. Uh, and a lot of people are expecting there to be a lot of growth because of Randy Clements and Kendall Bryles and the synergy of the coach and staff. Realistically, though, I guess, what do you think is reasonable growth for this offensive line, if there is any? And uh, are maybe people getting their hopes too high on, on what you know, improvement would look like?
14: So I, I think both of these statements I'm about to say can be true. The offensive line can be much improved, and the offensive line will be bad right you can improve <laughs> a ton and still be in the bad category can you get out of like god awful bottom 10 in the entire country thank god for rutgers in kansas otherwise you would have been the worst in the power five <laughs> can you go from that to let's say somewhere in the 80s right like that's still bottom third in college football but it's not complete inability to run a play because someone is in the backfield every play, right.
0: It's, it's, it's not it's, derailing your entire game plan, like for four quarters, right. That's the, the difference in those tiers.
14: It, it, I, I think that's exactly it. Especially when you face the, the pass rushers at four state faces, and people want to kind of crap on the, the ACC a bit, but uh, I, I think there are some weaknesses in this conference that are positions, but defensive end is not one of them. And, and it is weird to cover a team we're like one unit is so much worse than the other position units, right? Like we we talk about the offensive line so much because it's it, it, it's. You ever seen the video where, where the, uh, the 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 wife says it's not the nail, you know? Where it's like she got a nail come out her forehead, and she's talking about all these other problems, and, and the husband's trying to say, "Yeah, but you got this this <laughs> nail in, in your head here. It might have kind of the that, that might be the primary reason for for the issues." Like that was far and away their, their biggest on-field issue last year, right? It was just, I mean, you had so much penetration and I don't think there's a whole lot of talent on this offensive line. I've said on, on the Nullcast I think it's a legitimate four-year rebuild to get back to, to being a good offensive line, but I do have a lot of faith in Randy Clements and, and Kendall Bryles. And I don't think you can underestimate, like I know they say they didn't watch much last year. <laughs> I, I think if you're not watching some of the last year's to see what happened, you're doing yourself a disservice. And I'm I'm guessing they actually probably did watch some I'm of sure, last year.
0: I'm sure a little bit. Yeah.
14: Yeah. Um, so you have a whole year to to craft a game plan around guys who who don't have very much talent. And I think that means more max protection, really drilling, getting the ball out quickly. We've seen that in all the practice stuff. Ball out quick, ball out quick. It limits you some as what you can run. It's like as an offense. But last year I think they were kind of shell shocked at how bad some of the guys were in games who had been at least decent in practice right but, and, and we knew we knew they couldn't get hurt because what I was told last year was they basically couldn't run they couldn't run practice with the same team offensive lines so if you guys had got guys hurt early and they did you were kind of screwed and mm-hmm. so they had to live with that for like the next what 10 11 games um, I think they'll be better this year I, I do I think there'll be fewer mistakes despite the fact that I'm not real high on, on the
0: talent they have. With this. No, I'm with you, but I, I think there's going to be noticeable growth uh, just because it's more competent, the coaching around them. I think a uh, next year in the strength and conditioning program ends up helping some of those guys. Cause you know, from what we've heard two years ago is about conditioning and trying to get guys in shape to run, run tempo. And, and this year, uh, you know, like Juwan Williams does legitimately look more distributed and, and, and his weight looks better. Uh, Brady Scott, same thing. Like these guys have a year to to look more functional, uh, but I don't want to mislead people. Like, I don't think this is going to be a, a good unit by any means. I, I don't even know if average is. Can it get to below average? Yeah. And I think it can. I think I that's think if realistic. To below
14: average, you do a backflip.
0: Right. It, I, I think so too. It, people get mad when you've said that before too, or I mean, some have, um, but I think that's reasonable and I think it's realistic. And I think the entire com- complexion of the offense and, and the team in general, because the defense was gassed last year, emotionally, physically by the second half of the season, when they started playing good offenses, they were, they were done. They were toast. Uh, they were giving up in a lot of, a lot of instances. Um, I think having a functional offensive line makes everything else around the rest of the program. Like you said, it's a nail on the head. Uh, you remove that nail uh, and you can stop the bleeding. So, all right. I, uh, I want to, uh, to also get your thoughts as I'm doing with everyone here, bud, uh, the, the win loss uh, season prediction for FSU and, and you bring a unique perspective beyond just anecdotal because uh, people who follow you know that, that you do a lot of uh, analytics and um, maybe maybe more so uh, betting, and, and you know what, uh, what Vegas is thinking. And, and so you apply both of those into your, your predictions as well. So what do you got for, for win-losses here for Florida State?
14: Sure. So I, I always put in all my, all my win-totals, and I do this for, for all of the teams. And so for State, I think, I came up with 748 so let's just call it seven and a half. That's really, really splitting the baby between seven and eight. Um, and then I threw it in an in, in R plot, which which basically will simulate over a bunch of simulations, kind of what is the, what's like the average season you could get from this and what does your distribution look like. And I think the good news here is that all of the real likely simulations have Florida State returning to a bowl game. Right? I think there's like an 85% chance that they're between like six and six and nine and three which is a decent range, but if you go back and look historically, if you have this kind of data, when Vegas lines a team at seven and a half, which is why I'm not betting this, by the way, because my number (laughs) matches Vegas number, so I don't see any real edge there. Um, When they line a team at seven and a half, the average variance on that is like 1.7 to the good or the bad. So that really does put you in that sort of six, six to nine and three range. And it's important to note, you could be like a top, 40 caliber team against this schedule and go six and six, seven and five, eight, four, nine, and three without being any better or worse, just strictly off bounces. I mean, there, how many games are they going to play where they're going to be a favorite or, or an underdog of a test, a touchdown or less? I mean, almost all of them, right? they will be huge dogs to Clemson. they will be double digit dogs to Florida and the swamp, but other than that, they're, they're not going to be underdogs. I don't think in, in many other games and they won't be huge favorites. Except for I mean, Bama State, obviously UL Monroe, and, and I think they'll lay double digits at, at home against Louisville. Other than that, I mean, you're really looking at that touchdown either way. Buckle up. There's probably going to be a lot of tight games this year, and with that kind of variance, I, I don't know. I have a real hard time being like they're definitely going to win seven and you know, seven and five, or definitely eight and four.
0: That no, there's there's a huge possible race. So 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 you're you're saying somewhere between seven and eight is the most the most likely, yeah, um, and. Well, one thing I was thinking, Bud, is is like, as you mentioned, all the different, you know, basically these coin flip games that there's probably going to be. And I think uh, we had Tim Linnefeldt on earlier, too, and he said the same thing. There's like six or seven in his mind uh, that are going to have these these quote unquote coin flips. And uh, I guess your numbers are probably going to say something uh, to that extent, too. But uh, when you take out the, I guess, the, the statistical analytical side of it and apply like more of a, a narrative driven thought, like how big is this Boise State game? Uh, with that in mind, like to get momentum, to see, you know, if this team has confidence, what it does to build on confidence, or if it loses, like uh, how fragile footing is this program? And I guess, what, what is the, the variance that, 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 Boise state game in your mind provides and how important is it to, in the opener?
14: You know, I, I think it's probably the one game on the schedule where you could really, you could see it impacting future games. Because um, then you're going to come home. If you lose this Boise game, you think they'll have 50,000 in dope for, for losing them in a row it'll it'll be crickets but but maybe uh, 55 I, i'd probably take counter yeah it won't look good um so you, if you lose that one it, i think they're in a better place mentally with than they were last year something because certain players graduated or didn't graduate and just left um but you could definitely see the team crater some uh, i know that they've tried to improve that but it's not out, out of the realm of possibility the other thing is that if you get the boys you win I'm really of the mindset that if you're going to have a a good year and I I would think a, a good year would, would, would be eight and four better, right? Seven and five. I I think you're, you're showing legitimate improvement, but I don't know if that's necessarily like a good year. I think in order to have that good year, you need to go two and one in your first three. And Mm -hmm. I I think they're more likely to beat Boise State than they are to go on the road at Virginia. Yeah. I think, uh, I I think so too. Like they might be underdogs to Virginia on the road.
0: Virginia is coming off a really good season and, you know, they return you know, their quarterback and yeah. So, and I think you could lose that game to Virginia and it's not as devastating as Boise state because theoretically, if you start off two and no, like you build some cachet and some, some goodwill uh, as, you know, Willie built some of that up with the fan base and players build confidence. So all that I, I'm with you. And then Virginia it's becomes, a road
14: game at UVA, like people won't be like, people won't be there to be disappointed. It's right. also not a, it's not a division game. And, let's be frank here. Like nobody expects you to compete for the conference this year anyway. Um, like you could take Trevor Lawrence off Clemson and play chase Bryce for 12 games. And I'm still going to pick Clemson to win, to win the ACC. And I, I think Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback in the country. So I'm, I i do not want to undersell him here, but with how loaded that roster is, you don't have a realistic ACC aspirations this year. So I, I think the importance of it being a conference game is somewhat lessened. So I, I do think that Boise game is important to win for, for confidence. And also like when's the last time this team had a September, like when's the last time this fan base went into October with a smile on its face? 2014. The Louisville loss. I, I think so. Yeah. I mean, even then it was like, damn, this team has so much talent and they're playing kind of, kind of, you know, like we had the, the, the promise note joke and the, the <laughs> losing by 40 points to Louisville. And then Francois gets hurt game one in, in 17 last year. Obviously the, the, the crowd was super hyped and they, they, they laid a total egg against a tech. It, it'd be really good for this fan base to to actually make it to October with, with a smile and just enjoy watching their team play. All
0: right. Speaking of, of smiles, uh, this topic makes me smile and I think it'll make you happy as well. This is a bonus question, bud. Uh, it's bourbon related. And I know I'm talking to a fellow, uh, lover of bourbon. I'm actually wearing a bourbon-based tank top right now, but not that anyone can see it. All right. For the money. And what is the best bang for your buck bourbon? Like what, what do you determine value as? Like as a bourbon that you're always like, yeah, I, I'm fine paying that. I know what I'm getting. is quality. Just one that you keep coming back to because it could be an expensive one, but you think it's a great bourbon, or it could be an inexpensive one that you think you know punches above its weight class. What's the bourbon that you're like, yeah, this is the value bourbon for me?
14: Sure. So uh, on, on the expensive side, um, it, if I find like old forester birthday, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and get it. like, it, it, it's one of the really cool things It's very unique every year, but the quality is always really high. Um, so the, the old forester birthday bourbon, which is not easy to find. It, it, you mm-hmm. really kind of have to look, look into it. That's coming up
0: um, in September. I'm on the hunt for it.
14: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, uh, if, if you guys find that, I, I will give you, uh, a null cast, uh, <laughs> Actually, the Nolcast Dry Fit Workout Shirt, um, <laughs> which which we do not sell. That's that's for our Patreon members only. So, um, yeah, and our sponsors get them too. So, uh, I would say for a, a value one or or just kind of a one that's not crazy expensive, like Russell's Reserve Single Barrel is mm. is really nice. Like pretty consistently, and then I kind of a turkey guy. I, I enjoy oh. well turkey. I, I like a lot of their variants.
0: Are you a Turkey guy as well? That was that's what I was going to uh, I was going to uh, give you mine after after you, you told me yours and Wild Turkey 101 for me. Uh yeah. You know, for, for right, right. No, the 80 not so much. Um uh, and actually I just tried long branch recently too, and that was fine. It was different. Uh, but that's like 35 bucks or so. Uh, Wild Turkey 101 is usually at 20. Some places you can find it for like $18, and that's a hundred-proof bourbon. I think it's about seven years old we're nerding out right now on bourbon. I, I, am a fan, uh, but yeah, Turkey's so, awesome. I'm with you. Can,
14: can you compare, I have not been willing to buy the long branch. Cause I feel like I'm paying, you know, 24 wild Turkey and $15 for like Matthew McConaughey advertising. <laughs> and it, can you compare it to like, uh, wild Turkey, Kentucky spirit or wild Turkey, um, barrel select or, Let's, you know they have a couple, a couple rare, breed. The, the more rare breed Turkish. would be the rare other breed. one there go.
0: Um, and i've only had rare breed of the 3 that you've mentioned um i honestly like i want to do a blind taste test with 101 and long branch uh long branch comes in at like 43% um so and man if it was 50% i actually think it would be a, a really really nice one and i wasn't you know guess disappointed by it i thought it was just kind of meh uh i would compare it more to a a Tennessee whiskey. Cause it has like, like a, like a good Jack Daniels uh, or a good George Dickel because it has that, that charcoal filter and they use mesquite and that's uh, hence the Matthew Conney, Texas uh, thing. So it gets a little bit of that smokiness. Uh, you still get the wild turkey spice in it, uh, the high rise spice, but it's not as uh, I I don't know it for the, for the extra 15 bucks or so. I don't think it's worth if you just want to stick with your wild turkey one-on-one like that's just, you know, it, it's hard to beat that for the, for the bank, for the buck.
14: That it, it definitely is um, nice, man. That was, that was a good bonus question.
0: And, and I'm happy that we're simpatico with this. All right, bud. Thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate it. Again, you guys can check out his work at BannerSociety.com. Uh, and he's the OG of FSU Podcast with the Nullcast. Thanks, dude. All right. Take it easy, bud. All right. And next up, I've got the man that FSU fans love to loathe, Mike the Bulldog, Bianchi, the longtime colonist at the Orlando Sentinel, Mike Bulldog, welcome, sir. Why does everybody
8: love to loathe me? Get I get the same introduction for Gator Podcast, for Miami Podcast. The man, this fan base loves to loathe.
0: That's okay. <laughs> I like accept it just, my fate. What, what, what about UCF fans? Did they loathe you right now? They did for a uh,
8: while. Actually. Actually, they yeah. For a while, they did, but i have been on the anti-Paul Feinbaum defending UCS national uh, self-proclaimed national championship. They actually like me now. <laughs> the only fan base in the in the in the state that likes in the nation actually.
0: Uh, go, <laughs> go Knights. Um. All right. So, so what I want to ask you before we get to the win loss and, and season prediction for Florida State, man, is is from your vantage point, you know, you cover, like you said, I mean, you got. Miami, you got Florida. You're just at that debacle of a game this past week, and you cover UCF, you cover FSU. You're at all sorts of games. You have an idea of what the state of Florida uh, football looks like. And and I guess what I'm curious to get your thoughts on is is what does Florida State have to do, or how far are they from getting back to the top of of Florida football? And and then in the mind of just like the narrative, like does Florida State are they within like one season or so of, of jumping Florida to get back to the top of the, the power pole in state or uh, well, do you think well, they're a good I mean, to go? It
8: it, yeah. It doesn't take long in college football. I mean, you know, you, you've seen, you've seen new coaches come in and win national championships in their second year. Obviously we'll know a lot more after this season because Willie Taggart has revamped the team. He, he's got Kendall Browns in there. I, I mean, obviously this is a key season and, and, you know, you know, this weekend or there's the opening game against Boise State is going to be a key game because let's face it, there's a lot of negativity around that program right now. I mean, right now you would have to say Florida State fourth in the state if you would just judge it right now between you know Florida, Miami, uh, Florida State, UCF. But this is a key year. It's a key year for Florida State. Not only on the field, it's a key. It's a key. Key year as far as their fan base, season tickets uh, are at a you know a, a, a historic low. So they need to get some momentum this year if Willie Taggart wants to get his fan base excited and he wants to get the recruits excited about coming to Florida State. And that's what it's going to take for Florida State to jump back over everybody else because that was Willie Taggart's calling card when he came in. Great recruiter. Uh, he can fill the you know he can fill that roster with talent. Well, if he's not gonna, if he doesn't win games, I don't know how much talent he's gonna get in there.
0: Well, with that in mind, I'm curious to get your thoughts on on what Florida State is going to do this season. Uh, so, if you don't mind, a, a win loss uh, prediction and and why.
8: Well, I, again, they they have talent on that team. I love the fact that James Lightman is back at quarterback for Florida State. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, in hindsight. <laughs> In right that may have been Willie Taggart's biggest mistake last year was just sort of handing the job to DeAndre Francois who mm-hmm. did everything wrong leading in the last season, and he still got the quarterback job. And, you know, maybe that's in a bad message to the locker room. I don't know. But I think having James Blackman back at quarterback, he seems to be a guy that the rest of the team likes. Um, obviously, Kendall Browles has a history of being able to come in and turning offenses around quickly. I think he'll do that. I think Florida State's offense is going to be better this year. It can't be worse. Um, I like Florida State to make a a fairly significant leap. You know, I think they're going to go sometime. I'll go 8-4. Woo! Go back in the bowl picture. Now, I realize 8-4 doesn't traditionally get Florida State fans excited, but I think it should now. After Mm -hmm. the last two seasons, I mean Jimbo's last season and Willie Taggart's first season, I think 8-4 would be a significant jump and signify to the fan base, the ticket buyers, and the recruits that Florida State's on the way
0: back. The Bulldog is bullish on FSU. That's that's one of the – I don't want to say higher on the higher end, but that's definitely above average of, of what most of us said. So, so now FSU fans can stop loathing you is where we're at with that.
8: Good Lord. Who would have ever thought that eight wins would be bullish?
0: I know. I know. Like you said, man, it changes quick. If we had said that three years ago, people would be laughing at us right now. Um. <laughs> hey, I, I, got, I, got, I got a surprise bonus question for you because I had Safa Dean on uh, a few minutes before you. You ready? Favorite mm-hmm. Florida State beat writer, uh, present, present, present beat writer? It's not fair to Chantel because she's uh, she, you know, she's still working her way. And favorite FSU beat writer ever come through the Orlando Sentinel? Uh, Safa Dean or Brendan Sinone? Does it, does it have to be only those two? <laughs> no, you could pick someone else. I was, I was hoping it, you were going to say me. <laughs> does it
8: have to be only those two? I'm telling Yeah, you could go Andrew Carter. Um, You could go, I'm trying to remember, you could go way back and go Alan Smotky. Uh, you could even go way, way back. I think Jerry Green may have covered Florida State one really? season. Really? Bill Buckhalter. Bill oh. Buckhalter. Mike was a beat writer for Florida State for for a time. But you know what? I'm going to go Brendan Sennel because I'm on his podcast right now.
0: <laughs> there you go. I like it. Butter me up. I like it. All right. You, got, you guys can check out Mike's work at OrlandoSettinel.com. Uh, Mike, thanks for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Brendan. Talk to you soon. All right. And after the Bulldog, uh, I need a little bit more help again. Josh, uh, tag team – Please help me again one more time before we finish this off. All
1: right. I can grab one. Uh, we got former Noel, former Pittsburgh Steeler, current media member, Bryant McFadden.
0: Oh, you're going to put him on the spot. Put you on the spot. That's what we do here. Hard-hitting hard journalism on, on, on the bench. Yes.
15: Okay. So let, let, let's go through this. Let's, uh, let's look at the, the, the schedule because the, me personally, <clears throat> and I don't know how you guys feel. But I I believe the most important game is Boise. Oh, I agree.
5: That makes it great.
15: That's our bowl game. We should go at that game like that is the ACC championship game. That is the national championship game. We only have a one-game season, and that's Boise. And I feel like that's the most important game because right now, mentally, I don't know if we have that mental tough team that we will have throughout the season based on the lumps and bruises they took last year. And I think they need to start fast to start believing in themselves. Believing in themselves, boosting the morale, building confidence. Because if we lose to Boise, then we're going to Virginia with a loss already under our belt. Right. And Perkins can play football. I really like him as a quarterback. And going to Charlottesville Bronco Hall and his staff—they really got those kids believing, and they definitely will believe more if Florida State waddles in there with already. So that's why I believe Boise is the is the, our bowl game. If we win Boise, I mean that Virginia game seven thirty is what that probably could be prime time. Mm-hmm. I mean that will tell us where we are as a team. If we beat Boise, we feel good, but then of course we should beat Boise. When you look at the talent, we should, right? We should beat Boise. Absolutely. Right. But we still have that afterthought from last year about, well, remember, we did look real bad last year. So that, that that's the concern. But we beat Boise, we're going to Virginia. If we take care of this against Virginia, and I believe we will, because I think we will, I, we will beat Boise. So when we beat Boise, the confidence goes through the roof. Goes through the roof. Louisiana road, that's a stat game. It should be. That's how these kids got to – that's how – that's what Florida State used to be. Playing against schools like Louisiana Monroe, we're not taping our wrists against these people. We're going to hurry up, third quarter, start are the hour. Let's get ready for next week. Louisiana Monroe, that's a stat game. We're not taping our ankles. We're not taping our wrists. That's the mentality. Virginia, come on, Virginia. I understand it's a new day and time and things like that, but Virginia's Virginia. Like, y'all not really know – come on, y'all not like that. I remember, you guys remember when we played Virginia, I think my senior year, 2004, in Tallahassee, and they were ranked, like, number third, three in the country. We were, like, five, and it was an 8 p.m. game, ABC, and everybody was saying Virginia was going to beat us and this and that. I mean, we beat them people by, like, like 25, 27 points. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, like, like really, Virginia? And I know they had Heath Miller and... uh uh, pyramid but running back. Uh, they had some. They had uh, They had some nice. They had some. They had some guys, but they didn't have enough. That's Virginia. Let's keep it real. Let's let's try to put these people back in their place. Send them back to the little kiddie table on Thanksgiving. It yeah. hasn't been a big table too long. So I'm gonna tell you this much. Realistically speaking, the potential losses I see, mm-hmm. I could see Virginia, but I believe beating Boise will give us a victory over Virginia, Clemson. Clemson cooking with gas right now. <laughs> I mean, I right, let's. I mean, but the thing is, though, guys, let's 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 look at it like this: the last two years, you know, we weren't a good team, but we played Clemson tough. We just wasn't able to sustain that for four quarters. That's been an issue for us. Mm-hmm. Like sustaining that level of play, like we started out against Clemson. So I'll say we should not lose no more than two games. Okay. Um, all right. Clemson, all right. Clemson and going to Gainesville. Now that Gainesville team, if Felipe Franks opens up his eyes and and realizes that he can throw the football a little bit with that defense and those star players, uh, they could they they, they, could be, they could be they could be they could be real tough. So I um, will say no, we, we shouldn't lose them more than two games.
0: I like the confidence. I I mean, you you sold me. I'm I'm with you. If they beat Boise State, uh, I think that changes a lot. Uh, but that's that's the blueprint game for Willie Taggart. Like that means an awful lot to them, So I think that really changes things. Um, win or loss, uh, that defines your season. So, all right, Brian, I think that's everything we had, man. Thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Yeah, I really dig the insight and the passion. Really appreciate it, man.
15: Uh, no problem. Appreciate
2: you for having. Me. Okay, guys, time for you to shut the hell up. Everybody just knows that we want to know what the message board has to think. So here's some predictions from a few of that post on Knowles Two Four Seven. Reese nineteen ten expects FSU to go nine and three. Noah Davis seven also nine and three. Rebel Noah One eight and four. Don Ellinall smart man more than last year. Spear Fear six and six. Jam Rock, Rocknoll ten and two. Gotta love the optimist. Videotape Engineer eight and four. A man that could easily work for Knowles Two Four Seven. Bt Nall twenty three 25, nine three, Kennehun twenty five nine three, Ben Cooner, eight and four, Cautious Will, eighteen and zero, don't know how the hell that works. <laughs> Kerry Dino nine and three, P Colenol ten and two, FFU Fool, nine and three, Destinol seven and five, Ryan Walker nine and he just didn't put losses. The man doesn't want to hear anything about a loss. <laughs> Kai, also nine and three, BBJ nineteen ninety two eight and four. BFSU 7, 10 and 2. Phyllis Goodman, 9 and 3. Sarah Noel 11, 8 and 4. T 27, always the optimist, 6 and 6. J Noel 07, 9 and 3. Mortgage Banker null 8 and 4. National, 10 and 2. Look at that, not optimist in the building. <laughs> Lethal 34FL, 8 and 4. Q Dog, 9 and 3. TB 3648, 8 and 4. On, F-State, me. 8, 9, and 3. Take Osceola, 72, 9, and 3. Google Packs, 8, and 4. Southern Packs, 7, and 5. Kerplani, I apologize. I probably butchered that one. 8, and 4. Jay Norris, 12, 9, and 3. Go Knowles, 2011 8, and 4. Mahler, 16, 8, and 4.
1: OZ, 5602, 8, and 4. So a whole Woo! lot of 8, and 4s out there in the world. I heard some 10-2 and two optimism in there.
0: I think it got progressively
1: less I, optimistic. I,
2: I like cautious Will. He's counting scrimmages and counting next year's spring game, and they're winning every damn thing they play.
0: He said Super Bowl on the message board. Um, I didn't have the ability to include that in, in the sheet I sent you, but, yeah, Super Bowl.
1: I think I think those 10-2s and twos came after that Chris Knee article about how the offensive line is really gelling right now. Mm, that Kool-Aid. No, Chris and brings bring the energy article. <laughs> 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 Always God. count on Chris for the, uh, to lighten the mood.
0: I, uh, I think, uh, we had a slow start to the podcast today because this is a much later record time than normal. So the energy's down, but the, uh, the second act and the third act, the way Chris brought us home, you know what I'm going to say, fellas, we stuck the damn landing 2019 Gosh. season is here. Let's go. Stick in the landing for FSU in 2019. Woo!
1: Just say two feet down. Like, we don't need stick in the landing. We're just two feet down.
0: That means...